Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Unchained Inspiration. I'm your host, Reese Seven. This episode, it's a mind game. Last week, we got the opportunity to talk with Elena in regards to competition. And from there, she recommended that I reach out to our mutual friend, Kara Palmer. We love Kara here at Unchained Inspiration. Not only does she represent competition on such a pure form, she does it with grace, but with enthusiasm. And the part that I find really fascinating and really, I really hold a lot of value with Kara is she has a confidence that I have not seen displayed in many people in my life. And the fact that I was able to have the opportunity to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Kara and be able to kind of explore the idea of confidence really, I feel is going to be a benefit down the road for some of the projects that I'd like to kind of pursue and get comfortable with. So Kara is a, an adventure seeker and almost an adrenaline junkie. Kara, have you been doing anything recently that has kind of sparked that, that just confidence in you and like that, that adventure seeking lately? Um, I would say that, uh, Getting my motorcycle back up and running has uh, definitely kind of sparked that adrenaline in me, of course. Uh, it's something that I enjoy doing every summer, and uh, with this warm weather, it's got me in a mood to uh, get out there and enjoy myself outdoors, uh, which includes, you know, riding my motorcycle and uh, being adventurous. And I know that um, you can relate. Absolutely. You, yeah, yeah, you uh, ride motorcycles as well. I do. Uh, so what are you riding this year? What, what's the bike of choice? Uh, so I, I ride a Kawasaki Ninja 250cc, so it's a smaller bike. Um, however, that being said, I have been looking into buying a uh, more of a cruiser style as well, uh, a Harley Davidson Street Bob. Interesting. I, I really found yeah. that the sports bike really suited your personality, so I'm surprised you're actually going with the street bike want to do is I want to have both bikes actually nice. um, so that one can be more for around the city and uh, m more the adrenaline and uh, the speed and then the other one can kind of be for the highway cruising. Have you ever taken a bike out onto the racetracks? No I have not although I have taken a car out there um, so at one point I owned a Nissan 350Z and uh, I did race my, my car out there uh, which it, it did pretty well uh, I did beat the, the people next to me. So I felt, uh, ex as you would say, very confident about that. So <laughs> when I've talked to so many people about you, you actually come up in conversation quite a bit. So I would imagine your ears are always burning, but, oh. the, but the common thing that keeps coming up when we talk about you is your confidence. And it's through stories and memories that we have of you that you have, you have this, just this really strong sense of confidence, but you're not arrogant about it. And that's what we love about you. How did this develop? Uh, well, first off, thank you. I would say that a lot of my confidence came from the way that I was raised. Uh, that being said, I was raised with one brother who is older than me, and uh, he's similar to your size, Reese. He's a, he's a 6'4", over 300-pound person. Um, so I definitely had to... To understand how to deal deal with someone who may be bigger than me um, and feel confident and not be intimidated by people 
based on their size. That being said, I also try to hold myself to a standard where I don't necessarily care what people think of me, and I don't uh, necessarily feel judged by people. However, I still try to be respectful um, and make good choices in my life. So I know for myself that as long as I'm making the best choice and the most respectful choice, that I have confidence in myself and value and in my discretion that I'm making the best decision. So what's that process like when you're trying to kind of like really be respectful of others and respectful of yourself? What's going through your mind when a situation is being presented to you that you're kind of checking off the boxes that, yeah, it's I'm being respectful here and I'm being respectful there? Or is it just you have a gut feeling about it? I would say it's a, it's a mixture of both. Um, I believe that people make decisions and I try to think about the way that, that that decision will affect others. Before I go and do something, I try to think about how it will affect that person and how it will affect me and what am I gaining from it and what are they gaining from it. Um, and I think that like, and also just really respecting boundaries with people is uh, very important and that as long as you know that you're doing things that are respectful and that uh, you treat everyone uh, equally, that then you have that confidence in yourself. One thing that uh, I c- comes to mind was you and I have had a few conversations in the past that we talk about leadership and mm-hmm. it really was of great benefit. And I don't know if I've ever formally thanked you for those conversations. So if I haven't, here's a very public formal thank you for those moments in time that we kind of were able to kind of push out and explore the idea of leadership and what it looks like that it allowed me to gain a confidence in supervising and leadership roles, really just understanding how others perceive me. And that gave me great confidence. And it it happens to be from the person that I think exudes confidence the most. Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. And I definitely feel the same. Uh, Some of the conversations that we've had in the past have absolutely pushed both of us out of our boundaries. And um, I love, you know, not only with yourself, but with, you know, numerous people. I love having in-depth conversations um, about the way that uh, people are perceived and how they perceive things, um, and then kind of basing myself off of that and learning and educating myself off of other people's perceptions and experiences and uh you know sometimes they're cultural differences they really are and there's been times that the conversation has become really heated and how do you how do you refrain from taking it so personally like you seem to like walk away with confidence and you can you might be heated at the moment, but I've seen you kind of come into these conversations. They're heated. You could definitely see both both sides of the conversation ramping up, but you never hold it against anyone. And so how are you able to kind of dial it back for yourself? Um, I would definitely agree in that I have had conversations that have got heated, absolutely, um, and that I don't take things personally. So I really just uh, recognize that that what that person is telling me or how they're feeling about a situation isn't necessarily a personal attack on my my beliefs or my values or my personality or my character. Um, so that's kind of what I base that off of. And I believe that every situation, there's learning experiences that can be gained 
whether that's for myself or for the other individual, having an open and honest conversation every time is really kind of what pushes you into that um, uncomfortable zone that will make you the best version of yourself. And so not taking it personally is really what I do there is I don't take it personally, but I reflect on it in order to push myself to be the best version. Have you ever had a time where you've doubted yourself? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, everyone doubts themselves. And uh, as, as confident as I may appear, there are absolutely times that uh, I do not have the confidence. However, it's, it's a mind game in a way, right? If I feel uncomfortable or I don't feel confident in my situation, I try to tell myself, you know, raise your head high, walk in there um, ex- exerting confidence and walk in there powerful and with purpose. I like the idea that it's it's a mind game and it it really is. You can almost... You can let it run wild and you can have all these fleeting thoughts that kind of make you fret. And that's when kind of like the negativity and the self-doubt really kind of take root. Or Mm -hmm. you kind of, you alter the way you're looking at the situation and you keep bringing up that you don't take it personally and you don't take it personally. And I think it, from what I'm understanding is you're not taking it personally because you're allowing yourself to reflect on the moment and realize that there's other contributing factors to a person's reaction. Well, exactly. And also that I I realize that I'm not the the end-all be-all. So I realize that my opinions may not be the best way of going about things or, you know, being open to other people's opinion and, and ideas and collaborating with them is only going to make a situation better and stronger, right? And uh, so I take that and put that onto myself as well, uh, that if someone has an opinion about me or if I do something that offends that person and they let me know about it, I can change my ways to help them feel more comfortable. Absolutely. You alluded to earlier that there's like cultural factors in play too when you interact with people. And I know travel for you is a huge, it, well, it, it's, there's an asterisk beside when I think of you and confidence, I also think of travel. You seem to have gypsy feet. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I love traveling a lot and I've gone to uh, 22 plus countries so far. You know, I think that travel is really one of the, the most magnificent ways to learn about other people, learn about other cultures, different languages, and in turn, you learn about yourself through that as well, right? And the things that you want out of life, and you reflect on the way that other people live and the way that you live. What I find interesting, though, when you travel, you often travel by yourself. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, I do travel by myself very often. There isn't a strong reason for it by any means. However, most of the time it's financial. Uh, other people cannot afford to go for the length of time that I would like to go or anything like that, as well as time. Uh, a lot of people can't commit the amount of time that I would like to go for. That being said, um, I think that traveling by yourself, especially at a younger age, is extremely beneficial because you really have the freedom to do whatever you would like to do. And uh, I have done a lot of group tours, so I've traveled by myself. And then when I get there, I join up with a group tour. And through that group tour, I have met so many amazing people. And some of my best friends 
Uh, one of them is in England and one of them is in Florida. And I've met them through those group tours. I don't believe that I would have had the same experience or met the same people if I was traveling with a partner or with someone else. So in all of the travels you had, is there one that really just sticks out for you? Yeah, there is. Uh, Going to Africa, I went to 11 different countries in Africa, and Africa was just amazing. Um, So, I mean, if anyone is thinking of traveling, I would highly recommend Africa. I just think that uh, the cultural difference as well as, like, the accepting nature as well as the uh, quality of life and the happiness and the way that they live over there um, is just, it's, it's something that everyone should experience. And I, I loved it in Africa, and I can't speak highly enough about it. Which part of Africa did you go to? Um, I went to 11 different countries, as I said. So I went kind of middle Africa to uh, southern Africa. And one of, I, personally, my favorite country that I went to was in Rwanda. The reason being is because Rwanda is a really amazing place. It is beautiful, first off. Um, It has lush mountains. It has gorillas. I went trekking through the forest for gorillas. You know, the landscaping is beautiful, but then also the the history behind Rwanda. The Rwandan genocide only Mm -hmm. happened Mm -hmm. 20-some years ago, or less than that, potentially. And... um, yeah. It's interesting because when you brought up Rwanda, the first thing that came to mind was the film Hotel Rwanda. And yeah. that, yeah. I, I remember when that movie was released, I remember seeing news footage of what was going on. But I, unfortunately, when you live over in North America and, and you see these images come across the news in other countries, it's almost like, and this is really kind of sick, a sick way of looking at it, is it's just entertainment on the television like there's no connection to it and you see so much of that stuff that you become desensitized but it was that movie that really woke me up to how incredibly horrific that time period was for that that group of people and it was the tootsie and what was the other hitu hitu right hitus yeah so the tootsies and the hutus um and uh yeah, like you said, exactly. It's portrayed in a way of uh, you're seeing it on TV, so you don't really understand the impact of it. However, while I was there, I would be walking down the street and seeing as there was a lot of crimes committed that they were not able to charge offenses for. When I was there, there are people that still are alive in Rwanda today that had killed other people that are walking freely down the street and they are living in peace. And there are people that uh, their family members were killed and they could have walked past the person down the street that killed their family members and uh, and they respect each other. They're, they're, they're living amongst each other peacefully, which I just, I think is really amazing. I just, um, it's, Rwanda was just such an amazing country. It, it blew my mind, honestly. Well, yeah, I know that like, so I got the first exposure through the film Hotel Rwanda and got to see that. And then, then it started to make a lot of sense with what I had seen in the news was kind of really disappointed in myself for not inquiring a bit more of what was going on. And it was, it was like, what was it? Skin color and like just, it was basically physical features that would kind of determine if you were part of the Tootsie or the Hitu group right and and, oh, yeah. Yeah. and it, it that really to me was quite 
astonishing that based off of a physical appearance, that was all the reason it, they needed to murder you. But I don't know, do you follow Naz Daily on uh, social media at all? Follow what, sorry? Naz Daily. Uh, no, I do not. Okay, so he, so I used to think his name was Naz, but it isn't. Naz is uh, Arabic for people. And okay. so the host of Naz Daily is a remarkable human being. This guy has gone around the world in 365 days and kind of produced a one-minute video from each place he had gone to. And mm. one of these videos he had posted was when he went to Rwanda that you're right like 20 25 years ago there was this genocide that had gone on and now those people live in peace and that was the next step in this journey about discovering Rwanda for myself that I was able to see well how is it that they had such a horrible past and now they live like you said in in peace and harmony amongst each other, even though they know their neighbor might have been the person that killed their family, they choose not to bear arms and seek vigilante justice. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it is remarkable. And just to uh, touch on that a little bit, um, to give you a comparison in size, Rwanda, the country as a whole, is approximately the same size as Edmonton, Alberta. And within the Rwandan genocide, approximately 600,000 to 800,000 people died. Uh, They don't have a specific number because they they did not have uh, proper tracking or or the the means or the ability to track the the total death mm-hmm. um but you know losing 800,000 people in a space comparative to Edmonton is you know it's crazy and well, then like you said them living peacefully is also so amazing so it was 800,000 potentially 600 to 800,000 approximately yeah that's exactly half half the population of Edmonton okay yeah that mm. that that's staggering and terrifying. Yeah. I like I I just we don't understand. We're so we're so fortunate where we live that we don't understand that uh, world of hurt and extreme violence. But it, it's interesting. So I guess uh, when you were down there and you kind of got to like experience this beauty, like really truly, both physically and spiritually, amongst the landscape and the people and the culture, did you ever find out why they're able to live in peace there? Um, To be honest, I may have found out. However, I do not remember exactly. I know that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, of course, or represent uh, anything that I'm not knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. That being said, uh, it is something to do with the government there, that uh, there is a peace treaty kind of idea between the two tribes and that uh, the government does have some regulations in place and, you know, stricter laws and, and whatnot and, you know, to, to handle the unrest. I'm not sure exactly what what that information entails, though. I really appreciate that you do, you just did it there again. You've done it before in the past that you never speak out of fact. You only speak to what you know of. And know. that really, I feel, is... A, a remarkable trait that you have. Thank you. How did you feel 
that speaking out of fact that you know personally, how did you figure that benefits you? You taking that stance in life that you don't embellish and you don't speak out of context? I'm just a very, I try to be as truthful and honest uh, as possible. That being said, of course, I am sure that I have said things that are inaccurate or I believe to be true, however they may not be. Um, but I think that it's, it's all about just uh, really being educated and also thinking about, again, kind of coming back to where we were before, being respectful of others. You know, I would hate to speak on someone's past or history from Rwanda that is not an accurate representation of them um, or any culture for that reason. And I can only speak to my experience and the things that I know to be true. And I think that mainly that happens through education as well as, uh, you know, education can be through school. However, that also can be talking to individuals and learning about them and learning about their culture, kind of like what we had discussed earlier. I think that, yeah, just really being respectful of other people and making sure that I only speak to my experiences and being as truthful as possible. And, you know, I think a big part of that is if you do not know the answer to something, uh, do your research into it before you go and spread awareness about it. Do you have a strategy on how you kind of like can put that off that you kind of buy yourself some time to go and actually search the facts out? Uh, Most of the time, I'm just honest about it (laughs) with people. Uh, I'll let them know that, you know, if they're asking me a question and I don't know the answer, I'll let them know that I don't know that uh, exact information. And either uh, I can get back to them about that information or if they'd like to look into it themselves, uh, that's an option as well. So I'm just very honest about it that, you know, I'm I'm human and I do not know everything. And, you know, that's how you learn. You, you learn through education. So what's been the hardest time that you've had to be honest? Oh, Reese. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I cannot think of a specific example. Um, there's many times that, you know, sometimes it is difficult to be honest rather than telling a white lie or something of that sort. Mm -hmm. But I know, I know that in the end, being honest, whether it's, you know, might hurt someone else's feelings or, um, it might negatively impact the way that, that I live my life. Um, I just think that no matter what, being honest, and that's the biggest part about it, and that will be the most rewarding. I know for myself, as soon as I ask that question, and I often think of myself as a person that lacks confidence, but when I ask that question, I recognize that you're right. Like When you tell the truth, you you rest easier you know that you're not having to like reinvent a story or stay to a script it's just life is easier by telling the truth and yeah. i i just remember i've got conflict with one of my brothers and i remember the hardest thing was telling him how i truly felt of his actions and our relationship and where it was going and i knew that by speaking the truth i was damaging the relationship but i needed to unshackle myself from from that unhealthy relationship and by telling him the truth and letting him know where i was at it freed me of all the little white lies i had said to him leading up to it that things were good things were okay whatever and that was the hardest because i had put too much i had invested too much fiction 
into the reality of the situation. And it was liberating when I told him the truth. And when I told him the truth, normally he would, he would always kind of fight back. The moment I said the truth, all of the drama has subsided because he recognizes that I don't tolerate it anymore. And he can't get away with writing fiction any more than I get away with it. So it just, I, but I remember just knowing how weighted that topic was going to be. It, it almost rendered me paralyzed. Like, mm-hmm. like I almost couldn't get the words out, but I knew that if I didn't get the words out, I was going to just live in this existence of frustration that has drove me nuts for a long time. So yeah. And, and holding each other accountable, right? That's a huge part of it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Do you have any plans for any trips or adventures coming up? (laughs) Well, uh, COVID has definitely put a dent into uh, some of that. However, uh, in December, when I was laid off of work, I did go to Costa Rica for two weeks. And then I came back to Canada and I've just been, um, I've actually done some in-country travel where I've gone into BC a little, um, into Saskatchewan a little uh, however, that being said, for the people listening, it's all been through protocol. Uh, <laughs> through that's the COVID one pr- protocol. So, that's one thing uh, about Kara. She will not deviate. If there's uh, protocols in place, she's going to be the one enforcing them. Yeah, I, I just try to be uh, respectful of the protocols, right, and still enjoy my time. So I've gone snowboarding um, in BC and in Alberta, a few places, and so I wouldn't say that I have any big trips planned. However, I absolutely would go love to go travel again when I am able to do so. Yeah, and, and you about- s- you seem to always make friends on the journey. It's it's a gift you have. Yes, absolutely. I I, I make I make uh, lots of friends, and I remember even in Costa Rica one night uh, there was a, a few people that were sitting around and talking, and I just came up and said, "Hi, I'm just eavesdropping on your conversation. Can I join in?" And uh, they said, absolutely. And I hung out with those people for three days straight. And uh, we made some pretty good connections and pretty good bonds together. So, you know, just introducing yourself and putting yourself out there. um, And as you would say, using that confidence to do so, it can make your life easier as well as make your life more enjoyable and allows you to meet so many different people. So you just went up to this group and just said, hey, I'm I'm about to eavesdrop. So... (laughs) You can continue on, or you can include me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically that's basically how it went, kind of. Um, and you know, just the other day in Medicine Hat, here, uh, just talking about communicating with people, I was at La, the La Dippery, Little Dippery, and there the owners there. They one of them is from Pakistan, and uh, they speak Arabic. And so I went and I. Actually, I can speak a little bit of Arabic, and so I started talking to them and asking them questions about where they were from, what was their history, and uh, what languages they spoke, and uh, doing so in a respectful manner, of course, because I I respect them and I, I value and cherish them in our community. So we got into a really great conversation, and I was I was in there for probably half an hour after they closed just talking and getting to know these people, and uh, they were really amazing. I find that one thing our city struggles with is understanding the value of our culture by celebrating other culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we've got we've got a history, but we don't really truly understand how to display it in a in a really unique, healthy way that we kind of like, well, this is how it's always been done and we we have museums, but our history and our culture doesn't exist in a museum. And what I love about other cultures coming into our own is we get to see what they bring. I had a, I have a friend that um, he wrote a book about his memoir before he passed away. And it was about legacy. And I, I've talked to a couple of people on the podcast about the importance of legacy that it really, when you get these other cultures coming in, they have a they have an understanding of the legacy of their culture and they can they can articulate it in their daily habits that it's a living interpretation of it rather than in a museum or in a textbook yeah mhm absolutely it, it's fascinating I, I i'm with you i really enjoy speaking to everyone it's the art of the conversation that i'm i'm discovering i have a real passion for these days yeah yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's how uh, a community becomes a community is by accepting and learning and uh, getting to know other people in the community. Which also, of course, being in Canada is is a is a melting pot of different cultures, which is so amazing. Now, at Studio Seven, I which is the kind of umbrella company that I'm kind of basing this podcast out of, and I've got all these ideas on where I'd like to go with the concept of Studio Seven through education, through podcasting, through gallery work, printing, sales. It's just, it's, it's becoming this massive web of ideas. And one of the, th- the slogan that I've always maintained with Studio 7 is it's a place where collaboration inspires creativity. I always reach out to every one of my guests that at the end of the podcast, do you have something that we could collaborate on? You know, just going back to the very beginning of our conversation here about motorcycles uh that's something that we both are really passionate about i believe and maybe doing something around motorcycles whether it be a photo shoot or um, a video you know something of that sort i think would be really really great well you and presley Uh, seem to really be on the social media like you two are pretty pretty faithful on my instagram feed that there's going to be something on the stories in in one of your accounts if not both so I, I love the idea of like coming up with a video. That would be a lot of fun, especially with how streamlined and useful a lot of the technology is for camera work and editing now. That would be a lot of fun. Put something to music there, uh, get it out on on a, a platform, and incredible memory too, right? Exactly, yeah. Using that for for the future to come to, to reflect back on it because you never know... Uh, how long you're going to be able to ride for, or you might sell your bike, or you never know, right? Yeah, I, you know, I try not to think of the days that I'm not going to need a license anymore. Oftentimes, <laughs> I because I really enjoy, enjoy driving. So for me, I remember my first memory of driving, I think I was like three years old, and my parents took me to Heritage Park. Well, I'd already been behind the steering wheel of my grandparents' farm truck, Obviously, I couldn't reach the pedals, but they allowed me to do all the steering. When mm-hmm. we went to Heritage Park, even though these cars were on rails, I faithfully and religiously made sure I 
use the steering wheel as if I was driving. And I've always had that love for it. Of course, that translates over into motorcycles. It seems any form of transportation I'm just really passionate about. We happen to be that generation that we might we might have to give up the license, but I don't think it gives we give up our independence because the way technology is moving with these autonomous vehicles, we'll still be able to hop in a vehicle and go to where we need to go. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll definitely see what the future holds, but I know... Uh, you can relate to this as well, is that riding my motorcycle is such an outlet for me and uh, almost a de-stressor for me. So I would like to be able to continue using it in the future, but we will see what happens. Well, I think we kind of had started the tradition that we would head out to Irvine uh, on a Thursday night for a hamburger. And of, of course, our schedules were just atrocious with the way they lined up, but... I feel like that's something we should try to aim for at least a couple of times a month is we go out on the road and because it ends up being a whole evening ride anyway. Yep. That I, I, I would uh, love that, yeah. Yeah, let, I think uh, that that's going to have to bump up to priority this summer. Uh, and on those rides, if you could... I'm going to put out my collaboration piece because I'm trying to build confidence up and I'm really, there's so many people in the world that inspire me and some of them are not in my inner circle. I'm fortunate that I have a big inner circle that I can reach out to and have great conversations with you and Elena and Presley and Kamiko that I really, I recognize that I have to be able to at some point have the confidence you have to reach out to strangers that I feel are in these incredible positions in life. Why would they want to speak to someone like myself that's on an unknown podcast and really not not un- or unsure of what they would really be about when I just want to kind of understand and, and have a conversation with someone that is of influence. And so reaching out for to you is just coming coming up with a bit of a, not a plan, but a bit of an exercise on maybe you got an idea of how to challenge myself on being able to speak to a random stranger or like, I love the idea that, Hey, I'm going to be eavesdropping here. So I'm Reese. It's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, as I well love as, uh piggybacking off of that is going to local businesses, right? Uh, And kind of using them to get to know um, the people that go there as well as the people that own it and how Mm. they work and everything. I think that that would be an asset to you. That is a great way of looking at it. And yeah, there are a lot of local businesses in town that I really value the service they provide and the quality products they produce that uh, yeah, I think that's a good stepping stone, but I'm going to keep challenging you that when we're out on a ride, give me another challenge each time, because then I can kind of work at it and, and build my confidence up knowing that there are going to be people that are going to relish the opportunity to have a conversation, a genuine conversation and others that just don't have time for it or, uh, think that I'm a wing nut and they had the opposite direction. And I've got to be, I got to be good with that because at the end of the day, not everyone needs to like me. No, absolutely. That's right. And you can't please everyone, right? And majority of the time, you'll get a a positive feedback rather than a negative feedback. So that's what you're striving for. 
That's right, Kara. It has been an absolute pleasure having another conversation with you. I really hope that we can sit down for a few more of these. Absolutely. Everyone, that's been It's a Mind Game. I have to, I, I flubbed. I have to redo that part. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, this episode's been It's a Mind Game. I'm Reese Seven, signing out. Thanks.